Thank you for supporting the Ministry of Victory Outreach International. We pray this message challenges, ignites faith, and that God would fan the flame that will produce a harvest of souls throughout the world. The Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke in your Bibles. <clears throat> And I'd like to have your undivided attention for a few moments. I'm not planning on speaking too long this evening. I always say that. <laughs> you don't believe me sometimes. But I believe that God has done a lot in this conference. And what I would like to do is just take a few moments and try to seal everything that the Lord has done within the lives of so many people that God has touched throughout this conference with all the messages that we have heard. And God has been doing something special, very special, in this conference. And I would like to read a portion of scripture. All I want to read is one verse. And the verse that I would like to read is, is located right here in chapter 17 of the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 17 of the Gospel of Luke. And here we find Jesus is talking about a subject about about the coming of the Lord, about the coming of Jesus, his coming, the end of time when, when he would come back. He's talking about the days when suddenly it would be the end of time. And then all of a sudden he's, he's, he's referring to it and referring to the, the judgment of God. And then all of a sudden we find that in verse 32 he pauses for a minute and he begins to give his disciples a warning. And listen to the warning that he gives his disciples in verse 32. After he's talking in the previous verses, he's saying, And that day we shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house. Let him not come down to take it away. That he that is in the field, let him likewise not return. And then all of a sudden he says, Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. And then he goes on and he goes, whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. And then he goes on and then I tell you, two shall be in the, in the mill. One shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding together. One shall be taken and the other left. And he's talking about the coming of the Lord, the second coming of Jesus Christ. But right in the midst of the message of the, concerning the second coming, all of a sudden you find a verse and he says, remember Lot's wife. And that's the warning that Jesus was giving to his disciples. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have this evening of proclaiming your name. And Father, we thank you for the blessings that we have received thus far in this service. And we know that there's much more that you have for us tonight. Our cup is overflowing. We are rejoicing in the blessings that you have bestowed upon us throughout this entire week. And now, Father, I pray that you continue to move. And Father, that you may give me the words that I should speak and speak to the hearts of, of your children that each person will be able to respond and will be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> oh. 
Now, we have a sign back here that says, call to a greater commitment. And I would say tonight that the reason why the emphasis is called to a greater commitment is because we should encounter that we should remember Lot's wife. When we take a look at the life of, of Lot and also we take a look at, at his wife and what happened to her and the consequences of sin in her life, it's an admonition, not only an admonition, but it's also a warning to each and every one of us this evening. Now, throughout this conference, I have felt with all of my heart that God has been calling us into a deeper walk. I find that even the messages, even from the very beginning, the first message on Monday night, it was a message about walking with God. All the emphasis and the, and the messages that we have heard, the focal point of the messages, were, they were concerning a closer relationship with God, surrendering ourselves to God, yielding ourselves to God, committing ourselves to God, having a greater commitment and surrendering and being that woman and that man that God wants us to be. Now, I know that we have a, a mission, and we are a people with a destiny. We are a people that have been called of God. We are a people that God has bestowed a special anointing upon us, and he's given us a task that we have to accomplish. But I want to declare to you this evening that the task that he has given us and the work that he has given us to do it is impossible for us to accomplish the task that he's given us to do without a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. And somehow the Holy Spirit, this conference, is saying to the church that he wants us to come into a closer relationship and deeper walk with him. Now, I am sure that within the minds of people when they come to a meeting like this, and when we hear the singing, and we are able to feel the enthusiasm, we're able to feel the tremendous dynamic presence of the Holy Spirit, we would say that, we would look around, we see the people excited, we would say that everybody in, in this entire building, that we are gathered together with people that are committed. Just to see the enthusiasm and to see how people are worshiping God, and the tremendous magnetism, the, the magnetism of, of the presence of God that is in this place, we would come possibly in the natural mind to a conclusion that everybody's life is all right and that everybody is committed and that everybody really has their act together. But do you know that it is possible for people to be in a setting where the Holy Ghost is being manifested in a powerful way to be in the midst of, of miracles, daily witnessing the miracle-working power of God, to be even around people that are spiritual and people that are separated unto God, and yet not have anything inside be dry, inside be void and empty of the genuine presence of God within your life? Do you know that it is possible? And I'll prove to you how possible it is. 
And this is a story that we have here in the Word of God of a woman. A woman that had tremendous privileges. This woman was a woman that had privileges that not everybody had. See, in those days, in the days of, of Lot, in the days of Abraham, you didn't find too many people that served God. In fact, God had only a very small select few. Most of the people in those days were people that didn't know God, people that were uh, outside of the realm of God, people that had no understanding whatsoever concerning the presence of God and the leading of God. But in God's sovereignty and by God's grace, God chose a man by the name of Abraham. And not only did he choose Abraham, but he also chose his nephew Lot. And also in choosing Lot, Lot's wife was also involved in the choosing. So she had a tremendous, tremendous privilege. I'm sure that she witnessed many, many tremendous moments of God's miraculous power and God's dealing with Lot and also God's dealing with Abraham. Now, she had knowledge. And there were few people and few families that really had this knowledge pertaining to God. But this is a woman that cannot use the excuse that she didn't have knowledge of God. Because she was right in the midst where God was moving. And even in her own household, she was wife to a man that the Bible says that he was a righteous man and that he was a man that walked with God. And then she was also related to the, the father of faith, Abraham, one of the most mightiest and powerful men that we have recorded in the word of God. And she was close to them. And daily she would commune with them and have fellowship with them. And I'm sure that she was able to witness some tremendous experiences between Lot and Abraham in relationship to their God. Now, there were times when Abraham would talk to God. I, I, I could even imagine in my mind that she even had a first-hand experience of the working of God in the lives of these two, young, these two men. When Abraham received the promise, she was probably there. When Abraham received the promise that God gave him, it is very possible that this woman was a witness to God giving the promises to Abraham. Possibly she could have also been an eyewitness when he built the altar at Bethel. She was also probably there. And she was also probably there when the angel came, not only probably there, but she was there when the angel came to Sodom and warned her husband to flee. She saw the angels and she was an eyewitness of what was happening. All these tremendous experiences that this woman had. And in spite of it all, all these tremendous experiences, we find that she was void of the full understanding of God. She was void of a personal encounter, personal experience with God. And do you know that that is possible for that to happen to people today? You could be in the midst of a tremendous church that the Spirit of God is moving, and there's revival taking place, and it very easily... It very well could be that there are people that are in the midst of that tremendous revival and don't have any heartfelt experience of what's going on. 
People that are empty inside, but just going through the motions and just going along with the program. It's very possible that throughout this entire conference, you've just been going along with the program. You've been sitting here day after day in the morning sessions and also in the evening sessions, and you've just been going along with the program. You know what actually happens to a person like that? You fool yourself. Instead of fooling God, you can't really fool God. The one that you're fooling, you're fooling yourself because you're actually living a lie. And you know it, and your heart knows it, and your heart tells you, and your conscience tells you, and God tells you. But there are people that continually, continually, day after day, and week after week, and year after year, they have not come to grips with concerning their relationship with God. And I pray that this evening, while you're sitting here tonight, that the Holy Ghost will be able to grip you, and that all the messages that you have heard, that you will be able to apply them to your life. You see, you could sit in a meeting, and you could say, praise the Lord, hallelujah, and say, boy, they really need it, and you don't take a look at yourself. You know when you really get down to the nitty-gritty? When you begin to take the Word of God and begin to apply it to yourself. When you begin to say, is God speaking to me? Am I the person that Brother Steve is talking about while he's preaching? Am I the person that Brother Philip is talking about? Am I the person that Brother Cal is speaking about that, that God is directing a message to? And as you begin to apply it to your own life and you begin to open up, then you'll begin to see something happen like you have never experienced before. And tonight, I believe that God is speaking to people within Victory Outreach. Even before this conference, I felt God stirring inside of me and I didn't feel like preaching anything about methods of evangelism. I didn't feel like preaching anything about methods and strategies of taking cities. But I believe the strongest message that God has been laying upon my heart for victory outreach for, when I say victory outreach for each one of us, is the message that God is calling us into a deeper experience and a deeper walk with Him. It is so easy to fall into a state of apathy. It is so easy to take our Christianity for granted. You see, we begin on fire, we begin very sensitive, and we're real sensitive to the moving of the Holy Spirit within our lives, and we have strong convictions. When you first get saved, you're convicted about everything. Remember those days when you first got saved? If you said a lie, you said, oh my God, I said a lie, and you begin to repent. At the very spot, you begin to repent because you feel at any moment the judgment of God is going to come upon your life. But all of a sudden, we begin to grow in the things of God, and then we become professional Christians. We begin to say, yes, well, that's what the Word of God says, but you have to use your understanding, you have to use your reasoning, and you begin to try to interpret the Word of God, and you begin to make so many complications concerning the Word of God that the Word of God doesn't apply to you anymore. And I've seen this happen. This is why... We don't see revival taking place in America, and we don't see revival taking place within many of the churches. Many of the mainline 
churches that have been in existence for a long time, you find that many of those churches are void of the power of the Holy Spirit within their midst. And you may ask me, why is it? Why is it tonight? Well, I'll tell you why. They started on fire, but somehow they have lost that fire. That's what you call that creeping compromise that begins to set in. That becoming more formalism, becoming formal, interpreting the Word of God and finding excuses in the interpretation of the Word of God that will not apply to the state of life that you're living. But my friend, this is why we don't see the revival that we want to see within America. This is what actually is, what's actually is holding back a God-sent revival to our country and around the world is because the Christians are not where they should be. Now, there's a scripture in the Old Testament that says, If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. It is not enough for us just to have methods. It is not enough for us to just to have strategy how to evangelize communities and evangelize the world. The priority that God is calling us to and the priorities that I want to state here this evening is that we need God. We need to separate ourselves. We need to let the convicting power of the Holy Spirit begin to grip our lives and be sensitive once again to the voice of God as the voice of God begins to speak to us. And as I speak this tonight, I'm not only speaking to lay people, I'm also speaking to pastors. You'd be surprised how many pastors around the world and around the country, you know the percentage of pastors that pray are very, very small? You should hear some of the conversations that go on. Thank God it doesn't happen in our fellowship. And I don't think it'll ever happen as long as some of our guys are around, but it, hasn't been, it doesn't happen in our fellowship. But you should hear what goes on at some of the pastoral meetings. I went to a few of them. Pastors' meetings where they're supposed to be the shepherds of the flock and men of God. You should hear some of their language. You should hear some of their funny little joking around and some of their funny jokes. You should hear and, and see how they carry on. You talk about carnality. I tell you that there are pastors today and even clergy and people that are supposed to be the shepherds of God that have, have separated themselves and are so far from what God wants them to be. And it's only the grace of God that keeps them alive that the judgment of God doesn't come upon these shepherds and upon these ministers and pastors. But I tell you this, that the reason why Jesus was talking about remember Lot's wife was because he was talking about the end of time. He was talking about, he was trying to impress upon the disciples that listen, the time is short. And everything that I have told you and all the instruction that I have given you and all the promises that I've made unto you that I shall return and that I'm coming back again and all these things that I have prophesied to you, it shall become a reality. But watch out, he's bringing out to them and he's giving them a warning. Watch out that you don't get caught up with the spirit of this age. And that's the problem that took place with this woman. Even though she was in the very midst of, in a family that was a godly family. Even though she was right in the fire, in, in the midst of the, 
of the, of the focus where God was focusing on that entire family and they were people that God had separated to himself. Here was a woman that was right in the midst of the fire and yet her heart was so far away from God. The problem with her was that she had, instead of having God, she had the world within her heart. And do you know that we have other incidents like that within the word of God? She's not the only one that the Bible records about. We find many that the Bible records about that were right in the midst of, of where God was moving, and yet they were lost. And, and they were not only lost, but they were eternally lost. Let me give you an example. We could think about Elisha, the servant of God. Now, Elisha was groomed by Elijah, right? And Elijah did a good job in grooming Elisha for the ministry. And Elisha turned out to be a worthy servant. He was faithful. Not only was he faithful to Elijah, but he was also faithful to God. And you find that when, it was, that when Elijah asked him, well, what is it that you want? Why are you following me so much? Why is that you don't leave me alone for a moment? He responded to him and said, well, the only thing I want, the reason why I follow you, I, I'm, I'm hungry for God. And I've seen God in you, and what I see in you, that's what I want. That beautiful presence of God that I see in you and that manifestation of the Spirit of God and the power of God that I see in you, that's what I want. But not only do I want that power that you have, but I want a double portion of the power that you have. And I think he was looking ahead and he was thinking that, Elijah, you're having hard times now, but I think I'm going to face even harder times up ahead. So if I need power, I need a double portion of the power that you have. And you know, I think that this up ahead, this is what God is going to do with his servants. We're coming into a time, you've got to remember, we have to live as people with an urgency that Jesus Christ is coming back again. We don't have all the time. There is a, a lot of time that he's given unto us. There's an, a lot of time that he's given to victory outreach to accomplish the job that he has called us to do. And the only way that we're going to be, be able to accomplish the work and the job that he's called us to do, it is not by might, it is not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. You know why these men were so effective in the early church, the apostles? You know what was the motivation that they had? What really the incentive that these men had was that they felt that at any moment, they felt that Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. This is why they always talked about, come Lord Jesus, he's coming, he's coming back again. And they realized that they had a work, they had a task that had to be done, and the motivating factor, the thing that really drove them, and, and, and that, that thing that really, really motivated them was that they knew that they had a short time, and that Jesus was coming back again, and they would have to give account to God for all that God has given unto them. They knew that there was only a short time. They realized that they only had a lot of time and that Jesus was coming back again. And you know that that's what we have to keep in mind? The problem with Christianity today is that we think that we forget about that Jesus is coming back. We think we have forever. We, even, even within our minds, we, we can't really accept the reality of the rapture. 
For some people, they don't even think about the rapture that the Bible speaks about. It speaks about you shall see signs. And when you see these signs and you see these things begin to take place, no man knows the day or the hour. But when you see these things happening, know that the coming of the Lord is at hand. And I tell you, Victory Outreach, somehow I feel that God has raised us up to be an end-time ministry. This is a divine plan that God has for us. It is something divine that God is doing with Victory Outreach, but the time is very, very short. We have to keep in mind, we have to work, we have to move, we have to uh, reach out, we have to minister as people that realize that we have a short time and what must be done must be done now. And as we have this and as we're conscious of it and as we understand that, then we realize that we need God. We realize our need of God because we know that any moment now we're going to come before the presence of God. You see, we have to give account. I have to give account. When I had my little ticker started working on me in Mexico, you know the first thing that came to my mind? Oh God, no, no I'm not finished yet. I thought I was going to die. I mean, you know, we could, be, we could be taken just like that. Just like that we could be taken. I was in Mexico and having tremendous crusades and everything happening, beautiful, doing the work of the Lord. And Brother Lolo over there was rejoicing with the way the Lord was blessing. Then one morning I come downstairs and I sit in the coffee shop and I'm sitting there and Brother, I was there with some brother, Brother Mesa and another brother that was there from Mexico City and we start talking and I was fine. I'm talking and talking nice and I was excited. We're talking about the things of God. And then all of a sudden, I, after I, I, was, I was got so involved in the conversation and we were having a tremendous time of fellowship. I was there for about an hour. Henry Sines was also there and Brother Messine, this other brother, and this other brother was so interesting. He was talking. He was a, one of the ministers from Mexico City. And after we had a tremendous fellowship and we were talking about the things of God and the work of God, then we were going to go to a conference. And I get up and I walk out to the lobby and I'm walking with Henry. Then all of a sudden I begin to feel something funny happening to me. And I begin to feel my ticker begin to fail me. And I begin to feel like I'm going to pass out. And I, then I begin to feel funny things happening inside of me. And then I went over and I didn't want to say nothing. So I sat down. I said, it'll probably blow over, you know. And I sat down and, and Henry, poor Henry, he's talking to me. And I wasn't even listening to what he's saying. I said, uh-huh, you know, I mean, I'm saying, oh, God, please, don't let this not be the big one, Lord. Please, let this not... <laughs> And, and, and finally, I, I, I felt, I, I, you know, I can't, I can't go on. I told Henry, Henry, you're going to have to excuse me. I've got to go upstairs. And I went upstairs, and I remember I laid down in my bed. And as I laid down in my bed, I actually felt my heart going boom, 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 boom. And, and then I couldn't breathe. Then I couldn't breathe. And I felt myself choking, and I told my wife, Julie, let's go to the hospital. I, I, I think this is it, you know, and I'm going out. And, and then I'm in a taxi cab, and you know the traffic in Mexico City, oh, God. I'm telling the chauffeur, uh, a prisa avanza, you know, vamos. He said, pero no puedo, mira los carros. And he's, you know, and I said, how far is it? And he's just going and bumper to bumper. And, and, uh, and I said to myself, and, and, and I, then I couldn't breathe. And then I, I had a glass of water and I was just trying to open up my throat so I, so I could breathe. And then I looked at it and I turned around to Julie. I said, I don't think I'm going to make it. I don't think I'm going to make it this time. I says, oh, oh, I think. And I says, oh, man, I don't want to, I don't want to die here. I want to die home. I want to die anywhere. I want to die home. <laughs> you know what Julie did? 
she got, got real quiet and started praying back in the back seat of that automobile. Started praying, started praying, you know. And the, and the driver's driving, and Julie's like, oh, like ooh, you, gotta, blah, blah, you know, she's speaking in tongues, and the driver's looking back there and then looking at me, and, I, and I'm over here. <laughs> and he's checking me out. This guy's going to drop dead on me over here. And then oh, this other one, what's she talking about over here, you know? And, and then all of a sudden, my wife went like this to me, and she says, Sonny, and she hit me like that in the back. She says, Sonny, you're going to be all right. <laughs> and, <I'm, laughs> and she had a big smile, Sonny, praise God, you're going to be all right. And I said, well, you know, later on, I couldn't even talk that, but later on, I said, what made you, what gave you so much confidence that I was going to be all right? And she says, well, well, you were like that. She says, I went ahead and I said a prayer. And I said, Lord, are you going you gonna to take him here on me now? Are you gonna, is, is it time? Are you going to take him home now? And she says, and God spoke to me and said, no, his work is not finished yet. Hallelujah. And she said to me, she said, Sonny, no, nothing's going to happen to you in Mexico. It's not going to happen now. There's no problem. Nothing's going to happen to you in Mexico. God told me that your work isn't finished yet. He's not finished with you yet. And when she told me that, oh, I felt so good. I said, praise God. I'm not ready. <laughs> you know, the first thing that started going through my mind, how much have I given to God? Have I given 100% to him? And I started taking an evaluation. You know, I'm, I'm dying. I think I'm dying. I thought I, I, thought I was going to go. And uh, what did I do? Have, have I really been praying the way I should pray? Have I done everything? Have I maximized my ministry the way I should? Am I ready to meet God? And then the answer was, no, no, no. Dame quebradita, Señor. Give me a little bit more time. When you come face to face with death, when, when you realize the urgency that at any moment God could take you home, when you have that understanding that Jesus is coming back again and that we have a responsibility and we have a work that he's given us to do and we must maximize our time, when we have that understanding that he's coming back at any time, then there's a difference, there's a different attitude, there's an urgency in your, in your preaching, there's an urgency in your ministry, there's an urgency, there's a dedication, there's a commitment, there's a consecration because you realize that you're on borrowed time and that all the time belongs to God and that God has given you a mission and that there's a purpose why you're here and there's a work that God wants you to do. What about Gehazi, Elisha's servant? What happened with him? He started off right, but somewhere along the, along the line, he went wrong somewhere. And the Bible speaks about it. Gehazi was Elijah's servant. He was the next one. He was grooming him for ministry. You remember, I preached on that one time. And I mean, he had a tremendous privilege. I mean, he was with the man of God. You talk about somebody being in the fire. How could a guy go wrong? How could a guy get sidetracked when he's so close to that tremendous man of God like Elisha? How could he become cold being 
alongside and, and, and living with, uh, alongside of such a tremendous man of God. Well, it began somewhere along the line. Somewhere along the line, he began to become insensitive. He became insensitive to people. He got burned out. Well, you could call it ministerial burnout. Also, he became neglectful. He also became overly possessive. He became covetous. He also became disloyal. He became uh, also overly possessive. And he also he turned out, finally, he turned out to be a failure. And he became, he was eternally lost. There isn't anything in the word of God that he was restored. He walked out a leper. Remember that? And that's all we hear of this man where he could have had not only a double anointing and a double portion of the Spirit of God, but I believe if he would have asked God for a triple anointing of God, God would have gave it to him. He had potential. He had such a tremendous possibility. But something went wrong within his life. What about Paul when he says, Demas has forsaken me. Demas, he says, forsook me. Paul's companion, Demas, forsook him. And he went after the things of the world. Judas, and we talk about Jesus, Judas Iscariot walked alongside of Jesus, was one of the disciples. And what happened? Judas betrayed Jesus. And also Lot had a worldly, unbelieving wife. And these all died within their sins, and they were right in the midst of the fire. And this is why this evening I say unto you, you could be part of a victory outreach, you could be part of this tremendous move of God, you could be sitting here this evening and you could be cold inside. You could still be harboring secret sin that is within your life, that is unconfessed sin, and as long as there's unconfessed sin, and as long as there's no sincerity from your life, God cannot bless you. You must come grips to grips with that sin that is within your life. You know, there are possible people could be here, Right in the midst of this, it could be people that could be in fornication. There could be people that may be living in adultery right here this evening. Right there in that overflow room. And nobody knows about it. There could be people that somewhere along the line you've backslid and you don't feel the presence of God. There isn't that sensitivity that you used to have anymore. But now you have to put up a front and you have to play church and you have to play religion. You know that the hardest people to deal with are people that take the sacred things lightly. Those are the people that become hard-hearted. See, the church will either break you and soften you up. The Spirit of God will either break you. The fire of the Spirit of God will either break you and soften you up, or else it'll make you harder. The more you take things lightly, when you begin to take the sacred things of God lightly, when you're able to come into a prayer meeting and say, Hallelujah, glory to God, and still live in sin, when you're able to be in the very midst of the fire in a church where the Spirit of God is moving and there's the manifestation of the Holy Spirit and people are seeking God and you don't respond to it, you could become very much harder instead of breaking and becoming soft and softening up and becoming that man or woman of God that God wants you to be. So what does Jesus say? He says, be careful. He says to the disciples, remember Lot's wife. Now, what happened with Lot's wife? She had a tremendous privilege. But she took the sacred things of God very lightly. And what she did was she was right in the midst of the fire, in the midst of where God was moving, and she was very far away from God. She had the world within her heart. And this very same, that's the very same sin 
that so many people are able to commit. And this evening, I just share with you that God is dealing. God is looking for people. God is looking for you. And there are some of you that the Lord wants to separate. But first of all, you have to come to grips with that sin that is within your life. Now, you know, there was an indictment against the Laodicean church in the book of Revelation. And there was a church that at one time was on fire. You know what the indictment was against that Laodicean church? The indictment against it was that the church was lukewarm. Those are the worst Christians, the ones that are lukewarm. And we have a lot of people like that. I have some in our church. I have some intellectuals that know the Bible and they think that they just, you know, go along and just give a few scriptures, John 3, 16, and give good Bible studies that you're able to get by by giving good Bible studies. Listen, just by giving information out, we're never going to evangelize the world. Just by having knowledge, mental knowledge about the Bible, you're never going to evangelize the world. You're never going to make an impact within the lives of people. Not only does it take the saturation of the Word of God within our lives, but it takes the anointing of God. It takes a godly life. It takes exampleship. That not only we speak what we say, but we live what we say. And that's the church, and those are the type of people that are going to make an impact within this world. And this evening, just like this church, the Laodicean church, it is very possible that may, some people may find themselves in a lukewarm condition. And throughout this conference, this is all that's been preaching about commitment. Call to a greater commitment. Not in service. That will come automatically as we get our lives right with God. As we begin to give neology, as we begin to come into a relationship with Him and commit our lives to Him and begin to clean out our lives and there's a cleaning that takes place inside, automatically we'll get into the service of God and we'll have results. The results that we want to see. I foresee that in the coming years, in the coming months, we're going to see breakthroughs like we haven't seen before. It is God that is calling us to a deeper walk. It is God. The reason why I, I preach this to you, I preach it to myself. I'm not satisfied. I, I told our church that. I told my leaders, I don't like to break. I don't like to lose my composure. You know what happened to me? had all our leaders and I wanted to preach to them. I felt so, you know, weird after. You ever, you ever lose your composure, you feel weird after? Like you, you lost your composure, you, you were uncool like, you know? <laughs> I got up and I had all my Bible study leaders and, and I, I was, a message was burning inside of me. I was sitting back there and a the message was burning, you know, I felt burning inside. And I said, oh God, please Lord, let me keep my cool. Then I got up and I had my message and I put my notes I start talking, and as I start talking, all of a sudden I found myself just confessing my need for God. And I start saying, you know, people, I need God. I sounded like if I was a sinner, like a real heavy sinner, in need of repentance. I said, I need God, people. I need God, guys. And I start saying, we all need God. And then all of a sudden, I'm trying to talk to them, and you ever see how you get broken, and you start making like pucheros? <laughs> I'm going, I... God. <laughs> and I was saying, I must look awfully ugly right now, you know. It's all about losing all the composure. But there was a sweeping that took place. 
there were people coming up and guys confessing and saying, you know, man, I need God too. God is doing the same thing within my life. And there was an openness. That we, we took away that front. We took away that facade. We took away those, we took away those masks. And we became real. And I became vulnerable by telling them, I'm your pastor, man. I need God. I need a cleaning inside of me. I need God. If I ever needed God, I need God. I need to repent before God. I want God to feel I'm not satisfied. And I tell you here this evening, my friend, I'm not satisfied. There's a hunger inside of me that I want more of God. I want a cleansing from God. I want to dedicate my life to God. I want to consecrate my life to God. I want to commit myself to God. I want a triple portion of the anointing of the Spirit of God upon my life. When you begin to feel this happening inside of you, it's because God wants to do something. This doesn't come from man. It comes from God. It is God that begins to call us to himself. And God is calling us to himself, Victory Outreach. Some of you ministers, you've been putting up that front. You've been putting up a good one. Some of you, I don't, I'm not, I don't know who, I'm just saying some of you. Some of us, I'll put it that way, I'll prove myself. Some of us, all right? And so we get so professional and putting up our front. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. When deep inside we could be hurting, hurting real bad. Deep inside you could be saying, man, I, I'm, I'm a wretched, miserable sinner. I'm not happy. I've lost the joy of my salvation. And we have to live up to the expectation that people want from us because we are the servants of God. But my friend, in a meeting like this, this is where God wants you to take down old barriers and just come. You know, you don't, you, you don't get weak when, you, when you're honest with God. You don't never get weak when you are able to just open yourself before God. It doesn't matter what anybody says. The most important thing is that your relationship with Jesus Christ is right. That your relationship has become one once again with Jesus Christ. And this evening, I, I see in the horizon, God is going to do great and mighty things. I see God expanding the ministry in a lot of churches. I've told Cal, he could have 10,000. He's going to have 10,000 in his church. 10,000 is nothing what he's going to have in his church. That's the potential that Cal has. I look at Brother Ed, and I see Brother Ed, that's this choir. Look at that. Look, look at this. Huh? Look at this fantastic choir. And Pastor Ed, he, he learned in the school of the Holy Spirit. David Martinez up there in, in San Fernando. Get ready, man. The, the, there's a, the windows of heaven are open now. You, you've gone through all the, your hassles and your, and your trials and, and everything you've gone through. Now God is ready to outpour the Holy Spirit upon your ministry like you have never experienced before. But for this to happen, God is calling us into a deeper communion with him. And as he calls us into a deeper communion, as we come into a deeper communion with him, then he'll begin to manifest himself the way he wants to manifest himself. And there are some of you here that God is calling you to the ministry. You feel called to the ministry. Then the first thing about that I want to point out to you, I want you to examine yourself this evening and find out where exactly you are in God. And if throughout this conference you have not come and been open and honest before God, then this evening I challenge you to do that. This is going to be a service where it's going to be a heart-searching service that I'm, I believe God wants us to have this evening. A heart-searching time that we can come open before the presence of God with all honesty and open up ourselves so that he could do an operation, the type of operation that he wants to perform within our lives. 
And I'm going to ask you right now, everybody to stand with me. Begin to raise your hands. Begin to raise your hands. We pray that this message has encouraged you to grow in your walk with God. To hear more messages, visit www.visionintlstore.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.